Welcome to the Ether. Today is Friday, July 29th, 2022. Today on the Ether, the Pulsar Alpha Drop AMA and Market Chat, hosted by Orbital Command. Let's take a listen. Well, welcome everyone to uh, this Twitter space. Today we're lucky enough to have uh, Miguel from Pulsar Finance as well as Jimmy. We were supposed to have Don come on with us, but uh, he's not feeling well today, unfortunately. So, He's not going to be able to join us, but I see we got Sefi up here as well, as well as some other familiar faces like Deeb's uh, DeFi as well. So um, what we'll do for this chat is um, I'd like to go through a little bit about um, Pulsar Finance and also just cover kind of the um, uh, the wider kind of crypto market. We'll also add Sefi up here as well. Um, good to see you as well, sir. How are you doing? Hey guys, good morning. Just came to hang out. Uh, noticed uh, that Donku didn't make it. You can fill in for him. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, he, he he's trying to tough it out. He's getting ready for uh, a conference, and uh, he had some like I guess uh, health vaccinations that he needed, and he just tried to tough them all out. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, um, I guess we could start off, um, Miguel, why don't we start off with just talking a little bit about uh, Pulsar for maybe those who are not familiar with it. You know, you guys just launched your product on uh, Terra 2. So if you could tell us a little bit about uh, what Pulsar is and kind of uh, what you guys just launched. Yeah, okay. So for those who are not familiar with our dashboard, Pulsar allows you to track and manage the performance of all your Terra assets. Uh, from your wallet tokens, DeFi positions, such as staking, farms, that's to all your NFTs. And it's just not for uh, Terra 2. You also launched on Terra Classic. Since we have done a lot of the year, last year we worked a lot on this. And I can also tell you a little bit about the story and the background. Uh, as it started one year ago, when me, Pedro and Eduardo, the other two founders, uh, got more excited about what was happening in DeFi than our previous Web 2.0 business. So the idea was kind of born when we got tired of keeping track of all our investments on spreadsheets, as most of you probably still do. Uh, to add on top of that, we were jumping from dApp to dApp every day to navigate throughout our positions, to collect rewards, to restake them again, and so on. So that's when we made the decision to jump to Web3 and to build Pulsar. And we kind of never looked back. We started hiring people, built an amazing team, and here we are, launching on Terra. That is super cool. Yeah, I, I, I'm already using your app. Um, it's super easy. If, for those who, for those who um, haven't used it already, um, it's, it's kind of similar to 8Board. If you've ever used 8Board in the past to track your portfolio of assets, 
Um, so really what you do is it's super simple. You just connect your wallet to it and then it'll automatically pull up uh, an overview of your total assets, your debt, your NFT assets, your claimable assets, if you're doing things like staking. Um, and it's a super smooth and clean interface as well. Um, so you can head over to app.pulsar.finance so you can check that out if you want to check it out while we're on this uh, while we're on this call. But again, I'm curious, you know, you guys are launching in the middle of uh, in kind of like a macro market meltdown. Um, could you tell us a little bit about kind of what are some of the difficulties around launching a product in a market like that? Or maybe also what are some of the advantages that you guys saw during this time? Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, regarding the difficulties, let's start with that. And there are way less users around. There's less excitement and users are not on Twitter anymore. And at least the bulk of them, since the short excitement is gone, and there's less opportunities and less visibility for businesses. But for me in particular, the biggest challenge of them all is to keep all members of our team completely aligned and hyper-motivated to build and launch the product. When you see for consecutive red, for consecutive months, uh, your personal savings or investments completely red uh, after month and after month. You really have to have like an amazing environment and a culture where everyone knows the final vision and are constantly pushing for each other. Uh, I'm so glad that uh, we have that. Without without such such uh, environment and culture, small teams have a huge risk of falling quickly, and they're especially under Black Swan events like the Terra Luna Depeg events. And this is for me and, and for our team, as I see, the biggest uh, challenges, and for small teams as a whole, as advantages, I see it as an opportunity to build for the next bull run, since we have a chance to work more on the product as there is, this as there is less uh, of this short-term speculative attention to distract us. Besides, uh, diamonds are made under pressure, as you know. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, I'm, honestly, like I think bear markets, for those who this might be your first bear market in crypto, and you're kind of experiencing obviously all of the negative emotions that come along with that as well as the portfolio destruction that you'll see especially if you're involved in uh terra classic unfortunately you know we all were um pretty adversely impacted by that crash um you'll you'll notice that um after bear mar bear markets you'll see some of the best projects and innovative uh creations come out of them and so bear markets like miguel was just kind of talking about are some of the best times to build because there's far less distractions. People aren't focusing on price as much. You know, they're not talking about um, a lot of different speculative opportunities that are out there. And you can really focus on product, which I think makes a lot of sense. Um, Jimmy, I saw you. Did you want to jump in there as well? Yeah, I was just going to comment that now that, you know, I don't have to listen to eight hours of stuffy spaces. I can really focus <laughs> on you know, honing my craft. <laughs> Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> hey, but we we appreciated those spaces, Seffi. I I actually learned a great deal from those spaces. To be honest, I actually am using uh, the dynamic DCA strategy now uh, in the bear market to try and get some um, 
basically lower my cost basis on some of the assets that I'm that I'm interested in in getting into and uh, learn that from one of your one of your marathon spaces. So <laughs> thanks for that. So something good might come of it at, at some point. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, and Jimmy and Seppi, feel free or otherwise other people in the community as well. If you guys have questions for Miguel about Pulsar. Um, feel free to jump in um, at any point. Uh, you know, this is, you know, we don't have to have, go with some, um, you know, structured Twitter space. I'd like this to be to kind of a community discussion around uh, Pulsar and just the macro environment. So um, feel free to jump in at any time. But another question for you, Miguel, around, um, you know, what you guys are building at Pulsar. One question I had was actually related to how you guys generate uh, revenue, kind of what is Pulsar's business model? You know, you guys obviously have a fantastic product, but I'm curious how that product, um, how you guys are planning on for either that product or a future product to translate to revenue for you guys' business. Okay, so uh, in order to tackle that, let me maybe tackle our roadmap a little bit. So right now we are focused on reading Terra uh, contracts which is the first step in order to build a portfolio tracker. The next step is we are going to start uh, interacting with these contracts. So allowing users to deposit, to stake, to withdraw uh, rewards and so onwards. And after this, there's a lot of room in order to grow uh, with unique features such as our own smart contracts, which can collect fees for example if you want to do a claim all uh, feature where you collect rewards from multiple dashboards that would be useful for all users and pulsar would collect a fee from that but that's still under discussion there's multiple revenue models and fees are just one of them another one is data and advertisement as for example uh, if you want to build a huge data company and you have all uh, DeFi users' positions, you basically are able to target each user individually and have custom advertising for each one of them. So these are only two of the multiple uh, revenue streams that we can have at Pulsar. So is the idea to build something uh, ultimately that resembles like a, I guess in the web, web kind of 1.0 world, there was you know, your yahoo.coms and like what they used to call portals where, you know, people would like pick up their, like the idea would be you pick up your phone and like the first thing you look at is Pulsar. And, you know, if you're going to do activities on Terra, you're going to sort of like reach them via uh, Pulsar. And then after you've kind of looked at your portfolio and then make decisions, like what, what's the theory there? Like what's the user experience supposed to be ultimately? Yeah, ultimately it's always down to a super simple experience from the moment user has his phone on, edit, on his home and connects to Pulsar, is able to find the opportunity to track his, uh, his wallets and performance of his portfolio. It should be super smooth. You access your phone, you see your balances, you see your positions, you see new opportunities and you navigate through DeFi. And in the long run, I don't see uh, all DeFi uh, protocols having, to need, having the need to have uh, user-facing uh, application. I mean, aggregators like us could just implement them like an app store uh, has all APKs and games. We could just be the app store for DeFi, for example. 
not in the same way, but I guess you see the point. Or for example, a Google for your search engine uh, on the web 1.0, as you were describing. It sounds like a, a mix between like, say what like the folks over at Zapper do on, um, on Ethereum, right? So they aggregate all the Ethereum bits, but then they also kind of surface things that might be interesting to their users where um, they're showing like the latest LP opportunities and, um, you know, they're showing the latest yield farming or vaults or showing you a bunch of stuff. But, and then on the other side of things, you also have like, um, data platforms, almost like a Nansen that, you know, that crunch all the data. They don't, I don't know if they track, you know, your data as like in a dashboard, but they just kind of track everyone's data and kind of help you pull out insights. Um, Obviously, Nansen like charges like a hefty monthly subscription to use their service, and Zapper. I, honestly, I don't even know how Zapper. I don't think they make money right now either. But they did have like an NFT play for a bit, so maybe they monetize their NFTs. But um, one of the other interesting like monetization models I've seen out there is um, with CoinHall. Right, they have like their stake to subscribe option where um, you can do most things on their platform to um that you would normally but if you also stake to their validator um they also unlock more options or reduced fees or other bits um but i mean there's there's so many ways to monetize once you have people's attention and, and once you become like the number one tab that people open up every time they want to participate in any DeFi opportunity yeah, I think that's the goal at Pulsar. We want to become the app that everyone uses. And in the long run, who's going to win is the one that has the user the more long, the, the longer time. So I think this is uh, our vision right now. We just want to build the best possible product. And with that, we'll start iterating also with feedback from our alphas, from the community, from friends, and from key uh, members from the, the, the spaces. Yeah, that makes sense. I think, you know, that's kind of like the approach that Facebook took in the early days, right? Like they didn't really have a, a monetization strategy initially, but they were building up their usership and they were building out a great product that people wanted to use. And then later on, they can figure out kind of the monetization aspect. And definitely it's an interesting thing you bring up there, Jimmy, with the monetization strategy or business model rather of kind of running a validator on, you know, some network and then providing your uh, protocol on that network as well, and then tying kind of the value that you're providing with your protocol in with people that are delegating to you. I'm curious, Miguel, if you guys have thought about, you know, it seems like the trendy thing nowadays um, is to start up a, a validator, um, and many people are doing so. And I'm curious if Pulsar has any plans as a protocol to start up their own validator either on Terra 2 or any other uh, chain. Okay, yeah, that's that topic has already been discussed a lot, uh, even with Jimmy. Jimmy was the one who uh, showed me CoinHall in the first place a few months back, and he told me about the stake to subscribe model. And I liked it a lot uh, because you can personalize experiences based on the support that these users do uh, to, to your, to your uh, validator. And this way users are not actually investing money, but rather just taking uh, to your product itself. And to be honest, that's something that's really on our... Uh, scope of vision, at least on the possibilities. Uh, right now, we don't know if that's the right approach for us, 
since we want to make the product uh, as free as possible in terms of features. But as soon as we figure out how to lock some features, that might be a useful approach for us. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so curious if if you guys are thinking about, you know, um, <laughs> any sort of alpha that you could drop for us uh, in the Twitter space. You know, we love to, um, you know, we used to host these Twitter spaces all the time that we call the OC Alpha Hour. And we'd have protocol uh, contributors come on and, and drop some alpha for the community. So curious if, uh, Miguel, you have any alpha that you want to drop for uh, for the listeners today? Okay, yeah. Uh, we haven't released our roadmap publicly, uh, so I can't reveal much details. What I can tell you right now is that the Terra Depeg event made us take a step back and analyze the risk of being just exposed to a single chain. Uh, after that happened, we made a decision, and this is the alpha, to grow cross-chain. And uh, our first announcement is that we are actually launching on Cosmos during the next months. Uh, we are super stoked to embrace the Cosmos community as a whole. And if any of the listeners wants to be an alpha uh, for Pulsar Cosmos launch, just make sure to stay tuned to, to our Twitter, to the challenges, and just enroll in them. That's super exciting. So what is the, the alpha program that you're describing there? And like, how can listeners get involved? Okay, yeah. So the alpha program is basically something that we built for users to have early access to our most recent feature, features and important uh, releases. So for example, they help us with valuable feedback from detecting issues on our dashboard to experiment and play around with new features before they are released to the general public. For example, right now we have a special group in Telegram just for alphas where we make pools for them to vote on next features. With this, they have a direct impact on our roadmap and we shape the, the product according to, to their own inputs. Besides, future airdrops, partnerships, special rights can be added to all alpha wallets inside our dashboard. But that's something super uh, embryonic, not sure if that's the term, and still needs proper planning. But yeah, alphas will definitely have an important role in our in our product in the long term and also in our community. I just thought of something. Um, now that you mentioned you're launching on the Cosmos, I think one of the things, one of the features that was probably underutilized quite a bit on Terra, and I don't, I'm not sure like if it was just never activated. But on other Cosmos chains, there's this auth Z module that gets used often for people to essentially give um, give another wallet access to do limited things on their behalf, right? So the most common feature that we see is auto compounding of staking rewards, where you can authorize another platform, say like maybe it's a post like Pulsar has this ability where it's like, all right, I authorize Pulsar to just automatically restake for me. Um, and that's the only thing that you can do for my wallet. You can't do anything else. You can't move my funds around. All you can do is just stake and restake uh, my rewards for me. Um, I think that'd be super interesting to see how Pulsar evolves and maybe takes advantages of some of these uh, like Cosmos, uniquely Cosmos-based modules to essentially just add more value and make their DeFi experience uh, more fluid. Yeah, I think that's super interesting to hear. My, my team is also here and they probably are wondering how can we 
build something like that. And uh, but yeah, leveraging up the intricacies of each ecosystem is something that Pulsar is all about. And each each ecosystem, such as Cosmos, has different different um, modules in Terra. So we're probably going to build different features for each ecosystem in the long run. Right now, um, we're just going to focus on tracking the tokens and uh, DeFi positions uh, together with NFTs. But that's definitely a really, really cool cool feature that we haven't thought about. I was, yeah, I, was, I think all of us are kind of dreaming about kind of where the future of uh, Cosmos, Terra, and everything else goes. And I think those of us who are here are are fairly hopeful of the idea of IBC and IBC assets being the future of crypto at, at some level or the other. And um, uh, maybe you can comment on what you, where you see uh, kind of IBC playing a role on Terra or with Pulsar or with, you know, a Pulsar chain, like, you know, how robust is Cosmos from what you've seen so far in terms of you being able to leverage IBC to build financial applications that everyone can use. Um, and I think everyone's sort of waiting with bated breath with for the more, like more and more definitive composable IBC based um, stuff. And uh, I think that's true. That should be true of Terra as well as pretty much any Cosmos chain. Point. Yeah, to be honest, we haven't thought about launching any Pulsar chain or leveraging up the IBC uh, system right now. Uh, right now, our goal is simply to to provide uh, these simple analytics to users and to see their feedback. And we already have a lot of interesting features that uh, are popping up on our on our alpha group. There's a lot of people talking about uh, how can we leverage, for example, the next tax. Uh, problems that are going to occur, for example, in Europe, we're, we're based in Lisbon. So in, in Portugal, for example, there's a lot of talks about uh, taxation starting from next year onwards. And there's no doubt that helps you track how much profits or capital gains you have on, on your assets on DeFi. So, for example, at, at least for the Cosmos and Terra ecosystem. So that's something that's also on the table. Uh, there are really, really amazing ideas popping up on our alpha. And I would love to see. Uh, OK, <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Jimmy. You just told me to mute my mic when I'm not talking. <laughs> uh, so I would love to see and discuss this a little bit longer uh, on, on our chat with, with you as well. Yeah, I think the, the discussion around IBC and Cosmos and, and kind of Terra and the whole idea of like, you know, all of these different IBC chains kind of being one collective, uh, either alternative or competitor, however you want to look at, look at it in comparison to Ethereum is a good transition point to kind of dive into like a, a broader market chat outside of Pulsar. But one before we jump into that, one uh, last question I had for you, Miguel, around Pulsar specifically was around, uh, you know, you talked a little bit about, um, you know, people that are participating in the alpha program that are basically using the product, taking a look at the features and providing feedback to you guys, um, getting some long-term benefits from that program. And I'm curious, you know, you talked a little bit about uh, potential airdrops. Uh, when Pulsar token, sir? <laughs> Uh, so that's a question we are asked a lot. 
uh, to be honest, um, right now, we have thought about this a lot. We discussed it amongst uh, our team, and we feel that we don't, we are not prepared yet to launch a token. We we just came from Web two. Uh, we have an amazing team uh, background because the three of us and uh, kind of built businesses before together, but. Right now, we also have more experience in building an amazing product than uh, knowing how to launch a token and its tokenomics. So we are doing it step by step. We are first taking in the users, building a great DApp that fixes most of their needs and has a user the most uh, addicted to our dashboard as possible so that we also sa save these users and get them to become loyal with us. I think that's the number one uh, priority right now. Uh, when the time is right, we'll start planning our potential token launch as well as tokenomics. And trust me, uh, all alphas will have uh, different metrics uh, uh, regarding data collection. And the more they are helping us, not only inside our alpha group, but also in our Twitter, the more rewards and tokens these uh, alphas will get airdropped to their wallets. Yeah, using using your um, system right now, it's a pretty clean, slick-looking interface. Uh, it does a nice job at, uh, mixing together sort of multiple wallets uh, if people want to do that. It does, uh, which... I think Apeboard doesn't do that. I think it's one wallet at a time, if I recall, but I don't remember exactly. But it looks like a pretty good interface to sort of blend a variety of wallets. Besides uh, Terra, uh, are are there any other, or can can it can your system ultimately add any um, Cosmos-based chain wallet, or are there limitations at this point from that perspective? So we started integrating Cosmos the past week, during the past week, and from what we, we saw in our user interface and both on our backend, it was pretty straightforward to actually add uh, Cosmos uh, wallets. So I think it will be a seamless and smooth launch, but they're still going to need a lot of testing. We haven't tested yet the Terra, uh, the Terra um, system that we have right now together with cosmos in bulk and when we launch cosmos we'll launch multiple chains uh, we'll launch juno we'll launch cosmos hub we'll launch kava there's multiple chains that we intend on launching not all together but we'll go uh, a few batches at a time but yeah this is still a long process at least a long it's going to be a long month here at the office and I hope everything goes well. And sir, if you if you want to help us provide feedback on that regard, it would be super helpful. Uh, we are in need of alpha users that can provide us uh, feedback on on Cosmos user user facing together with Terra. Yeah. I, well, for for me, it's mostly you know I kind of look at it from the angle of so if I'm a consumer. And I'm using this, uh, like, what kind of functions would I want to see on this type of a portal? And, um, and so I have kind of a list of really just standard activities that I normally do in DeFi, whether it's uh, bringing money in, taking money out, whether it's like staking or trading. And like, 
there's not too many uh, places where you can get a cohesive experience on Cosmos for all this. Like Kepler is attempting to do this, and it kind of has it does a so-so job. Um, I think that experience is, I think, one of the things that's still holding back uh, the Cosmos from really blowing up a lot quicker. So maybe apps like yours can bridge some of these gaps in user experience, basically. Yeah, uh, we intend to do that. I hope Cosmos uh, drive, thrives, to be honest. I'm really bullish on the, on the technology and the, the ecosystem. And it's, it's our goal to, to fix some of these gaps, at least in user experience, to find new opportunities to navigate toward, towards the Cosmos, to change assets between one chain and the other, to bridge things together. I think there's something that needs to grab this and make it uh, one-stop shop. So one of the things that was super annoying in the past when I used, when we used to use Aport a lot was a new protocol comes out and you decide you want to ape into this thing. And, you know, you, you, you ape heavy into a protocol and then you go check your ape board and you're like, ah, oh, shit, I'm poor again because it hasn't been indexed and they're not capturing the data. And then you've got to go and like go to their discord, go to their telegram and be like, oh, win eight board, win eight board. And then if you're behind the scenes and you actually work at the protocol, you're like, oh shit, like how do we get up to eight board? Like all of our, you know, all of our users want it. And then you have to go find out who works at eight board and like try to get this thing integrated. So in a, in a world where let's just say like the Cosmos ecosystem decides to blow up and all these chains blow up, we've got protocols everywhere. Like how's, what, what is Pulsar doing differently on the back end so that they can keep up with all this? Like it, does Pulsar scale, um, like your infrastructure does it scale or are you just going to have to like hire more people to keep up with, you know, everything that, uh, everything that launches? So that's a good question. Throughout the last year, uh, when we started looking at market uh, competition, we saw Apeboard, we saw Zapper, we saw DBank. We saw that the number one thing that was going to hold us back was the number of protocols that existed. Because not only do you need to scale up your team in order to fulfill new um, integrations so that users are not waiting for hours for a new integration, but you also have to uh, maintain your whole integrations because uh, some protocol that you integrated in the past just launches a V2 of their contract and you have to update it as well. So it scales up as DeFi scales. So we lost a lot of months just optimizing our, our team flow and workflow so that this is super seamless and we are super quick to integrate everything. Apeboard, in a sense, made us uh, level up in our uh, workflow. And that was one of the things that we, we focused on. But the other thing that we are trying to focus on as well is to have protocols, have open communication between protocols that exist or are about to launch in order for us to have early access to their to their integrations before they are live. This is something that would help us a lot and that could prepare our planning and workflow. So whenever this protocol launches, there's no need for users to start spamming when Pulsar, when Pulsar, sir. So this would only lead to us going live at the same time the protocol does, goes live. This would be the ideal scenario that we are also looking for. Yeah, that's amazing. I'd love to see, uh, you know, essentially, uh, communications with 
dashboards like Pulsar be, um, you know, just part of a launch workflow. Every time you launch a new feature, a new contract, you got to make sure that um, the dashboards that your users are using are um, also updated at the same time. One one other thing on uh, on Pulsar's feature side of things. Um, so I was actually just looking after uh, Sefi mentioned there. I'm on uh, the Pulsar app, and I have my TerraStation wallet connected to it right now. And after he mentioned that you could connect multiple wallets to it, I I realized that that was possible. And I went into there and realized that you can you can connect multiple wallets, but they have to be like different types of wallets. So that you could connect like a TerraStation wallet and a Leap wallet, but you can't connect like two TerraStation wallets. And I was curious if like it would if it's possible in the future that you guys could explore being able to connect like multiple uh, of the same type of wallet as a feature. Cause I think that'd be pretty cool, you know, cause I myself have multiple uh, wallets on TerraStation. I'm sure multiple other people do as well. Actually, um, it worked It worked for me actually. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. It If you just kind of go and do Wallet Connect and add another one, uh, it shows two Terra wallets for me now on the list. Hmm. Yeah, so if you just paste in a Terra address at the top bar and you press enter, it's just going to start adding all of them to like your your default bundle. Um, yeah, and you can so, even you know, create different portfolios. If you go to manage wallet and portfolios, you can also create a portfolio and start adding more wallets and just select which wallets you want on each portfolio. Yeah, you oh, can start flagging fantastic. people's you can start flagging people's wallets. Like you have a Doquan bundle. It's like, oh okay. I know, I know. <laughs> this is the Doquan bundle. This is the Cephi bundle. I've I've flagged all <laughs> of his accounts already. So uh yeah. That's fantastic. I appreciate the information, guys. Yeah, I didn't. I did not know how to uh, how to get that set up, but that's really cool. I'm gonna start using that. Um, in terms of jumping over, oh, sorry, Safi, did you want to jump in? There? Uh, and one other thing about the interface, I was just using it. Uh, it's got sort of like your NFT collections in it, and it's estimating the value of your NFTs also based on, I guess floor prices or something like maybe you could get into how does it do that and wh what kind of like what how accurate is that information uh it's, it's an interesting function i think a lot of people will probably like yeah so right now we are fetching uh, the nft data from marketplaces so for example from terra classic we were fetching information from randomers and the problem uh with this is that if you base your your NFT price estimation based on the floor price, that's the most accurate prediction, at least the simplest way. But there's already uh, some issues on some of the NFTs, at least we had feedback from users because some collections on Terra Classic, for example, got disabled. And if the volume traded is zero, the if you just uh, list your NFT, the asset, the floor price will be whatever this user single user uh, displays on the marketplace so the estimation can be wrong but yeah that's that's something that we are building the nft feature and we want to improve on it as we go because we really think nfts are being one of the crucial segments uh, in the whole web3 uh, right now it's just the floor price and we are iterating it to become more uh, more custom as we go. Uh, a good, uh, an ideal scenario would be to have some kind of algorithm that just analyzes 
uh, your NFT based on traits and just attributes it some kind of value based on that. That would be the ideal feature. Yeah, there, there's not an easy solution for the problem, I guess, especially in it from a dashboard angle. But it would be a convenient feature if what you're doing works well. Uh, even if it's like, even if it estimates things somewhat, like it helps you to assign some value to what you have without having to figure out, you know, like run all over the place to sort out how much your stuff is worth. It's so it's a cool little feature. I like it. Thank you, Steve. Um, in terms of just actually on that point, um, Miguel, like in terms of pulling in the data for how you're attributing like the dollar values of these tokens, like what are you, what are you guys using for the tokens themselves to, to, to determine the value of them? Uh, which tokens from, from your wallet, from your positions, every kind of tokens? Uh, I guess, yeah, the, the tokens in your wallet. Okay, so we are fetching data from multiple places. We have multiple oracles, so we either go to CoinGecko or we go on-chain. And we, when we go on-chain, we have multiple sources. Got it. Um, so I guess we could, um, it, by the way, if anyone in the um, audience has any questions as well, feel free to request to speak at any time and we can invite you up here. I see we got Ryan, we got Chino Man, we got Deebs, we got ton of different people in the community here. Great to see all of you guys here. Uh, feel free to um, request to speak if you want to jump up here and we'll add you in. Um, one thing, I guess, Sefi brought up a really interesting topic that I think would be good to explore a little bit, which is kind of IBC and how you guys see, like, Sefi and uh, Jimmy, how you guys are seeing um, IBC playing out in the future and kind of how bullish you guys are on the vision of, you know, Cosmos and the collective Cosmos chains competing with uh, other L1s like Ethereum. Sorry, I got distracted. Uh, I connected my old, can you hear me? I connected my old um, Terra Classic wallet to Pulsar just now and I found some Derby stars. I found some horsies and apparently I didn't migrate them. So... And then I just checked on OpenSea. They're selling for like 0.1 ETH. So yes, I just found some free money. Thanks, Bosar. Um, <laughs> your little horsies uh, <laughs> have been happy in their stables. Yeah, I got to migrate them apparently. You got to find some ETH to migrate them. But okay, uh, so the question was around um, the Cosmos ecosystem and, and how it compares to other L1s. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, um, I think there was like this really good podcast or YouTube video I was listening to from uh, John Adler. I guess he's like the co-founder of both Fuel as well as Celestia. Um, and it really was an argument between, you know, these monolithic blockchains versus the modular blockchain architecture that um, we see on, on Cosmos. and. One of the points that he argued was the fact that um, like these monolithic blockchains, you know, no matter how much you optimize them and how much you improve their um, performance over time, over a sufficiently long enough period of time, like the estate is just going to get bloated and there's going to be some amount of congestion that is just going to you know, due to your L2 or other L1, exactly, you know, what happened to, um, like, Ethereum. 
And we kind of saw that recently with Arbitrum, where I think they had some, um, they had some, um, I guess, some missions that they wanted people to just check out. You know, Arbitrum tried out and, and win some rewards, and they saw some crazy congestion where Ar- Arbitrum, that's supposed to be, you know, performant L2 with cheap gas fees, like the gas became more expensive than Ethereum itself. And I was like, okay, something, something is wrong there. Um, so I'm definitely on the, on the camp that modular blockchains will win out over the long term, And I'm keeping my eyes on Celestia on how they're going to become, you know, the modular data availability layer. And you're going to have all these other blockchains that essentially use them as almost like a interchained security layer and build on top of them, um, versus having like these monolithic app chain zones so i'm curious to see how that kind of vision plays out within the next few years um so for me definitely bullish cosmos modularity yeah i I, i'm thinking the same thing like ultimately you know there's there, there was a lot of lessons learned i think via uh a lot of the recent disasters whether it was issues on terra or um uh, just just a whole laundry list of problems in centralized finance related to crypto that um, has made me sort of like, like increasingly uh, more bullish on Cosmos. I think I wasn't so sure about Jay Kwan before. He's kind of a wild card in terms of like a strange character. But now like when I look back at this, I'm like, okay, like he's crazy, but he's a genius. Like this is the the you know like <laughs> and uh, a lot of the uh, implementations um on uh cosmos um you know whether it's D- dydx coming or really anything that you want to produce um you know at the end of the day all you have to do is add one more chain and with the mixture of things like interchain security interchain accounts and sort of like infinite parallelization as it were um like i think uh it you you can always solve the scalability problem with more chains um and then it becomes a question of speed and communication between those chains and that's where sort of ibc comes in and ultimately um fungibility between various uh chains is a critical thing uh we've seen a, you know among the uh disasters of the last year the number of bridges that have had a crisis, whether it's on Elrond, whether it's on Wormhole or whatever, like, you know, we had like a half dozen bridge catastrophes where funds were either stolen. I don't know how much of that was recovered, but point is bridges have been shown to be essentially like triple attack vectors. You have the bridge vector you have, and then the, any weaknesses in either chain, as we saw with like Terra and its bridges during a crash and what happened there. So, uh, so I'm pretty bearish on the idea of bridges. So people talk a lot about multi-chain, but I think uh, it's not clear to me that there's most uh, of the so-called L1s have a cohesive plan for massive parallelization. And I think the fa- the absence of that makes me just like way less interested in a lot of those other chains that don't have this capability. Um, the L2 sharding, I mean, I'm sorry, the sharding type tactics are interesting, but at the end of the day, like having, let's say 300 different chains 
is itself a type of decentralization, whereas uh, you know the reliance upon individual layer ones is itself a form of centralization. So if, let's say you're on, you know, eGold, Elrond network, or you're on Near or whatever, like they could have a quick, you know, sharded chain that does a pretty good job. But at the end of the day, like it looks, feels and behaves centralized in every manner that you can imagine with like founder risks and all sorts of stuff. So there are interesting projects out there, um, but I don't see how they make it without sort of becoming IBC compatible at one point or the other. And I think Near is doing that right now. Um, and you know, like then why have near at all? Like why, why not just simply have like another cosmos chain? It, like it, so there's sort of like an obsolescence that happens when you don't have certain uh, capabilities, I would say. And, and, um, at, at this point, like it, it only takes a few years and a certain scale occurs with cosmos and it makes it much, much harder to catch up for other layer one projects. So. Uh, yeah, and then that kind of brings that whole situation home to well, what happens with the actual Cosmos Hub and Atom and you know this kind of thing. And ultimately, if you think about it, uh, one of the biggest problems we've had this last year with the crash of Celsius, Voyager, um, FUD, you know, surrounding various exchanges and who knows what, is like the the problem where your fiat on ramp off ramp is also at um, risk, even if you don't. Um, keep a lot of money there. There are concerns about the ability to get it on and off. And if you know, Adam is available everywhere, which it's available in a lot of different. Um, it's been around long enough, and it's been secure long enough. It's been available in lots of different places. Um, you don't necessarily have to say if, like, Pulsar decides to make a coin, you don't necessarily have to worry about. Well, is Coinbase going to list my coin? In fact, I think it's going to be harder and harder for Coinbase to justify or any of the exchanges justify um, the cost and like risk of listing gajillions of coins. It's so much easier for a fiat on-ramp service to list, say, Atom, and then you take your Atom, you go to Cosmos, and you buy whatever the hell you want with it. This is what I was mentioning earlier about like how IBC is so important. You know, but like I, I think the Atom token, if it remains secure and uncomplicated, and you can rely upon it to get in and out of the Cosmos, I call it kind of a gateway, um, coin, if you can accomplish that and you don't mess with it and don't break it, um, the rest of the cosmos, I think, can thrive. Uh, and fiat on-ramps can be built for Atom without having to sort of build one for every single chain of the cosmos, which is a huge uh, problem uh, because then you have to, you're at the beck and call of various centralized exchanges to hope and pray that they bring you liquidity. Um, the other thing too is like, do you really want DeFi to happen or do you want like you know, trading platforms on centralized um, exchanges. And like recently, you know, there's KuCoin FUD and then there's, you know, this FUD and that FUD. Even if the centralized exchanges build out stuff, I think all of us are worried, hey, wait a minute, are, am I going to still have my access to KuCoin a year from now? Am I going to have access to some of these um, exchanges depending what country you live in? The whole thing just feels like a house of cards waiting to like, uh, you know, have some one crisis, the other, like mess you, mess your life up. And I don't know. I think the, the the most credible thing that I see so far in terms of uh, like a DeFi ecosystem that we can all live in, it seems like Cosmos at large. And I'm not talking about just like, you know, you do everything on Juno or Terra or whatever. I think if you look at the overall ecosystem, it's it's hard not to be impressed at this point. I don't know. Maybe you guys can comment further. I think we're going to start to see like uh, clusters start forming, right? Like inter interchain security is 
um, it essentially allows any you know any any uh, chain to secure other chains. Um, and of course, like I think the obvious answer people see is Atom, right? It has like the well, it's supposedly has the largest market cap that will enable interchain security, right? But it's actually another chain out there that has comparable market cap is in the Cosmos ecosystem. People don't really talk a lot about it, which is like the Kronos, uh, the Kronos blockchain, which is also built on you know the Cosmos SDK, but they're not IBC enabled yet. Um, I think they're they're EVM compatible. They've got like their own ecosystem and they've got like their own labs that they're building kind of on doing their own thing. Um, and they've got like 600, 700 million TVL, I think, way bigger than Osmosis, which is I think like the second largest in terms of TVL in the Cosmos ecosystem. But imagine if, you know, they open up IBC, enable IBC, and same thing with Near. Um, I think you're going to start to see like these clusters of app chains being secured by, you know, different, I forget, I forget what you call them, like consumer or like customer chains where you have like the Atom Nebula cluster and then you have like maybe Kronos and Evmos is doing its own thing with trying to be like an EVM compatible cluster. Um, and then of course, like you have like the modular cluster around like Celestia and Fuel. Um, yeah, I think like, yeah, like there are a lot of, things out in the open right now and i'm super curious to see how it all plays out here coming up soon yeah that's interesting and i i think the idea of interchain security and forming these clusters around that is something that i personally want to do more research into you know i i feel like i don't know enough about interchain security and it's only just starting to uh come on my radar and in, in a way so um, that's something I'm definitely going to look into more of, but I do agree with you. I think it makes sense from the way you're describing it for these clusters to kind of form around either a specific value proposition or maybe even by values, like they're forming clusters around what people in those communities value. I think that that could also uh, start to become more prevalent as well. Um, we added Deebs up here as a speaker. Deebs, how you doing, man? Do you, did you uh, have a question or just wanted to jump up and jump in the chat? Hey, uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm kind of bringing us back from the macro view here, but um, I had a question for uh, Pulsar Finance. I, I just kind of wanted to loop back around to what we were talking about earlier, where you, you kind of spoke originally about adding some features, you know, staking features, collecting fees features um, for Terra specifically. Then we kind of went down the route of Cosmos and, well, potentially becoming like this hub for all of Cosmos for all these features. So I just kind of wanted to wrap my head around this and, and make sure that we gave, you know, you a chance to clearly outline what your plan is. And maybe it is fluid at this point. But um, so is your plan right now to be that hub that incorporates features from like all these different protocols, um, obviously starting with Terra um, to include with, you know, any new features that are added, you know, not just staking and pools, but, um, you know, any of the nuanced features that let's say like Stater brought in with their, you know, stake pools or their DGEN vaults, or is it more to be, you know, this unique, um, you know, dashboard that we're accustomed to like eight board, but also have some unique features added on um, so, and maybe it's a combination of both and it's fluid at this point, but I'm just trying to wrap my head around this on where Pulsar is thinking the future is headed. 
Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the the, the question, Dibs. So right now, Pulsar, the roadmap is pretty fluid. Uh, the first goal that we want to achieve is a user connects his wallet, whether it's from Cosmos or Terra, and is able to manage all his assets. And this is our first goal. Otherwise, it's just going to go for Aport or any other solution that is out there. Uh, once, once we successfully secure uh, that uh, this, this end goal, we are going to start deploying more features on top of it, whether it's on Terra, whether it's on Juno, whether it's on Cosmos in general. So the first endpoint is just to be able to address the bigger number of users and the biggest uh, ag aggregate of positions they own. Uh, only afterwards, we are going to tackle individual features. Um, besides, uh, of course, we are also building smaller features right now for the Terra and Lunatics community, as well as for the Cosmos and um, other communities, smaller communities in the Cosmos ecosystem. But the main, the main focus is bigger features such as uh, being able to interact with contracts and have unique uh, smart contracts inside Pulsar. That comes after we have this bulk work of being able to provide users all their asset management uh, inside Pulsar. Okay, great. I mean, that makes sense. And, and I kind of suspected a lot of it too with these new features is fluid, but um, I just want to get a little clarification on that. And I, and I did have like a follow-up question about a very specific feature. Um, I don't know if anyone already brought this up in the alpha chat, but um, I noticed that on Astroport, they just, they changed their UI UX a little bit and they were, um, they incorporated like uh, analytics where you could see like your your fee rewards versus like your impermanent loss specific to liquidity pools, um, which I thought was pretty cool because you know people always have a hard time wrapping their head around uh, impermanent loss. I don't know if that's anything that Pulsar was looking to include in the future, but just throwing it out there. Yeah, so we have chat about impermanent loss features. I think we characterize that as a smaller feature. Um, and we are definitely looking into it on our roadmap. Uh, we don't know if we're going to release it in the next month, the month, the month afterwards, but this, this is part of our smaller branch of features that we consider necessary for the dashboard, but not super crucial. Of course, it will add a lot of value to a lot of users, but it's not uh, our main focus, at least for now. We have, we have a special team assigned to smaller features, a special team assigned to bigger features, and a special team assigned to include new protocols and new chains. Okay, great, thank you. Great questions. Um, so we have been going for about an hour now. Um, so uh, thinking about wrapping it up here in a minute, um, unless anyone else has any last questions, either Jimmy, Sefi, Deebs or anyone else here, feel free to uh, jump up and ask a question. Um, I see we got Chino Man requesting here. I'll add you. How's it going, Chino Man? Can you hear us? Awesome. Do you have a question? Uh, yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask, um, and I don't know if this has already been answered or not. Sorry, because I missed the first half hour. Um, what is the business model of Pulsar? So uh, for now, it's it's a free tool like a board. Is it going to be like with ad revenue like like a board or or, or coin hall actually coin hall now have their own staking thing but never mind so yeah how's it gonna work for pulsar okay yeah so we've talked about this before but i can uh quickly wrap it up so there's a lot of revenue models 
when you have uh, a product like ours. We can either go for the ad routes, uh, like a board is doing, we can go for the stake for subscription as CoinHall is doing, or we can all, uh, or we can tackle this in a different way and go for a more utility inside our dashboard. For example, using our own smart contracts to collect fees for features that users really want, such as, for example, a collective uh, claimable reward system where you collect all rewards in a single click from multiple protocols. So this is a, a there's a variety of uh, multiple routes we can follow. We still haven't figured it out. Uh, we postponed that uh, monetization scheme to the, next, uh, to the next quarter in order to be able to just focus on the product first and having the biggest uh, amount of uh, protocols from the Cosmos ecosystem integrated in this first step. So that the user, whenever he reaches Pulsar, he has the best possible experience and is able to track all his assets. Amazing. Thank you so much for answering. Great question, Shino Man. Um, all right. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much, Miguel, for joining us, as well as Sefi and Jimmy. This has been amazing. Thank you so much, guys. And to be honest, I'm really proud to be here with you. This was our first phase. And uh, I've learned a lot about, uh, about uh, interchangeable security in Cosmos. I have to research more, the same as you. And um, I'm really keen to show you all our next version of Pulsar. Absolutely. Um, so definitely, for those that are interested, uh, check out app.pulsar.finance to uh, start using Pulsar and tracking your portfolios on Terra. You can connect using a variety of different wallets there. Um, definitely follow them on Twitter. Uh, also follow these other guys, Sefi, Jimmy, Deebs, Chino Man. Uh, they're all fantastic as well. And uh, you can find our useful resources for Orbital Command on our Twitter, in our link tree, up in our uh, description. Uh, we have a variety of different things like our Discord channel and our Intel report for news and other things like that. So definitely check that out. And uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was the Pulsar Alpha Drop AMA and Market Chat, hosted by Orbital Command, recorded on Friday, July 29th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. In the darkest of times, when the phoenix arises out of the ashes like some burned up papyrus, open the sarcophagus and release the virus. Got a lump in your throat like tonsillitis. When the flags go up like everyone is righteous, spending government checks sniffing up the white dust. The previous generation wants to be just like us. Fuck that shit, I'm trying to be like Mike was. Drop the bias and you might survive this. The mummy coming through to remind your highness. I might just buy up my own fucking island, build a little bunker then wait for the timer count down to zero day exploiting every exploit in your internet sex toys in emitting vibrations through the ether did you just come me either If you look at the bright side, we're lost.
just at the right time Blindly following stars in the night sky Part of me might ride away with the prize fight Man versus everything else until the time's right Unleash the Kraken, no wait, that was crack Fuck now, everybody feeling all amped up Fucking like bunnies to the national anthem Ugly little shits eating up all our rhythm Mishandling the captions, who has the answer? Holding our attention for ransom Fed up with all the red tape and the boring template Like it matters if it's a blue or red state Charged every month and we can't even cancel Feeling distressed? Fuck it, kill the damsel Fuck yeah, spread it like we're on some undead shit And pass the bitch around like a meme from Reddit In the beginning it was suggested that the mortality rate would be 5% And the numbers are so much higher We're not ready for the next epidemic And so if your oxygen level falls too low and it cannot be kept up with just what we call nasal cannulas or rebreathing oxygen masks, if you can't get enough oxygen from that, then they will intubate the the patient. Two spaces.